0: Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Lots to talk about today coming up on the show. When businesses start reopening, those that were ordered closed, do people have to go back to work? Maybe if you do have an underlying condition or you're just not comfortable going back, what are your rights? We're going to bring in an employment lawyer to talk a little bit about that. Also going to talk about a story in the National Post today. Federal workers apparently told to turn a bit of a blind eye if they got an application that they thought might be fraudulent, somebody trying to cheat on their CERB application. We're going to check in with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation on that. And also more conversations on the idea of opening up public spaces when it comes to restaurants being able to reopen safely. Would you be in favour of streets, sidewalks and other places being open for those businesses? We're going to talk about that as well. But first, taking a look at long-term care facilities in this country, and it was something that the Prime Minister talked about this morning.
1: There are serious underlying challenges facing these facilities, and in the coming months, the federal government will be there to help the provinces find lasting solutions.
0: So Justin Trudeau talking about reforms coming to long-term care, even though they are under the jurisdiction of the provinces, saying the federal government will try to do something when it comes to reforming them and making them safer places for the residents. Well, let's bring in Ramona Captain, who is the president of the CARP White Rock Surrey Chapter. That is the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. And she joins us on the line right now. Ramona, thanks so much for being with us.
2: A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: First off, what what is your response when we look at these cases, and right now, right across the country, and obviously some provinces in much worse shape than others? But when we do look at the fact that the bulk of of cases and COVID nineteen related deaths are in long term care facilities.
2: Well, this this has been a, a huge issue, and CARP has been after uh, the provincial governments and the federal governments for quite some time on this issue. Um, it, it's um, you know COVID-19 had had to bring it to the forefront, but we've been advocating for many years, and uh, I used to um, have a clothing business back in Ontario when I lived there for uh, residents and long-term care facilities, and um, some were beautifully run, but some of them would make your hair curl if I told you what was going on. Um, Mind you, this was in the late 1990s, but I don't believe things have really improved. Uh, Staffing is a huge issue. And, um, also low pay. I mean, the care workers that go into the homes are, are paid. They're just not paid enough. And, uh, that's why it's a part-time job. They go from home to home. If there's flu or anything going on, they bring it, uh, with them. And, um, another thing as far as long-term care goes, there should really be more funding for respite and uh caring for loved ones at home this is what the government really needs to address as well so we don't have to put our loved ones in long term care if we had more more things happening uh at home um where we could take care of them it, it would be way better
0: Uh, Is it a matter of, do you think, when we look at some of the cases and some of, uh, I think, the most horrific cases have been uh, coming out of Quebec in this current pandemic, is it a case that, uh, I mean, the government isn't setting the standards high enough, uh, whether we're talking about a privately run home or a public home, that, I mean, shouldn't there be one standard of care and that, and there should be inspections and that standard needs to be both set and followed?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was also in the hotel business and, and had several franchises, and uh, uh, we had an inspector come in and inspect, I mean, look under the beds. They would uh, check absolutely everything, and this is the same thing that should be happening in all long-term care facilities uh it should there should be inspections on a regular basis and uh this this would go a long way in in helping um i mean i'm I'm not painting them all with the same brush because I know that a lot of uh long term care homes are beautifully run they take wonderful care of their uh Their residents, but then there are those that don't. It's uh, a lot of it it is profit-driven, and the fact that there is such low pay and uh, and and a lack of staff in many cases, the residents are left to um, sit in wet diapers. They're they're um, not bathed often enough. in in you know in the old days when <laughs> in the 1990s i mean i used to see them over medicated i'm i'm hoping that th- that isn't the case anymore but then again who knows it, uh, it there there really needs to be a total over, oversight and over ramping of of what is going on and it's it's a shame that we had to have so many die during covid-19 to bring this to the forefront
0: uh, do you think though uh, you you mentioned bathing and I think that's one of the things and I think if you if you do if you haven't had somebody in your family or a loved one in a long-term care facility you might be surprised to know that in a lot of cases uh, people in those facilities might only get one bath or one shower per week. I mean that seems like an easy enough one if if it was mandated but again then it comes down to staffing it comes down to inspections and and things to make sure that the rules are being followed. What else would you like to see or do you think needs to be done uh, to make sure that the conditions uh, where they need to be improved are improved well I
2: think that staff needs to be better paid so uh more people would like to go and work in in long term care homes uh and uh the the um you know it could be more like nursing you you um you study to become a nurse why not study to become a a uh, personal care uh a person going into a long-term care facility, that would certainly help. Also, um, more personal protective equipment is, is very important. Um another thing that carp has been advocating for is uh flu uh high dose flu and and pneumonia vaccines for uh residents in long term care. They should be available they should be free and uh this would help spread um not spread um um many of the um
0: flus that come along every year and um are they free already i was under the impression that the flu shot at least are that they are given to people that live in long term care
2: not high dose not the high dose ones that uh, that are far more protective hmm. okay um, sorry i
0: interrupted you there
2: no no, no worries uh, go, go go um the the other things uh that, uh, with the announcement this morning by, by the federal government, uh, that CARP has been advocating for quite some time has to do with, uh, RIF withdrawals, RRSPs. And, um, we also, uh, had asked the government, uh, during the election, we asked all the parties, um, to increase OAS and CPP. Uh, the uh, current government, the liberals, did commit to per- permanently increase OAS and CPP. They promised a 10% boost to OAS at age 75 and 25% increase to CPP benefit for widows. I do not believe that has happened yet. It needs to happen. Also, CARP has requested that in the 2020 uh, tax year, the government eliminates um, withholding tax on RRSP withdrawals and allows um, at least two years to repay the tax owing. This would provide uh, not not only seniors but others with a source of money to help them through the lean times. I mean, those who are lucky enough to have RRSPs and RIFs, um, there are so many that don't have them. And, um, I mean, politicians, bureaucrats, they have well-funded pensions. I don't think they really understand what it means to be living off your own savings with no potential uh, to see them, you know, increase at times when the markets tank as they are now. And, uh, you know, cost of inflation, plus everybody's living so much longer. We're afraid we're going to outlive our savings.
0: All right. Uh, well, we, we can have that conversation, uh, I'm sure, another day as well. Ramona, we're right out of time right now, but thank you so much for joining us to talk more about this today. Okay, thank you. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Well, as we know, businesses that were ordered shut down, many voluntarily shut down, but those that were ordered shut down can start to reopen starting next week. But a lot of employees might be nervous about going back to work. So do you have to? Let's bring in Lior Samfiru, a partner at Samfiro Tumarkin LLP, and uh, talk a little bit more about this. Lior, thank you so much for being on the show again.
1: Good afternoon, Joe.
0: What happens in that scenario? A business place reopens. They've done whatever measures that they've been told by the provincial government to make it safe for workers. If a worker still feels unsafe and has been working at home, what can you do?
1: And this is a question, Joe, that I've been getting uh, countless times over the past week or so, uh, because people feel unsafe and they feel concerned about going to work despite the employers taking measures. So let's break this down First of all, as you said, an employer does have to take and and implement all the measures that the government has outlined uh, with respect to the workplace, whether it's social distancing, uh, ensuring that only so many people are in the workplace at a time, they have to implement all those. Once the employer does that, the employee does have to go to work, even if the employee otherwise feels unsafe, as many do the problem that employees have to keep in mind is if they don't go to work in a situation where when the workplace is otherwise deemed safe is they may be considered to have resigned from their employment so they would lose their job in addition to that they would then also be disqualified from getting any further benefits from their uh, from the government so that's not something an employee wants my advice in these situations is have a discussion with your employer Make sure that your employer understands your concerns, and in many cases, I think employers will be reasonable and want to work out some sort of an arrangement where maybe you work from home or maybe you can stay on a leave for longer. But if you simply say, I'm not coming in, that's not something I want to do, you may be considered to have resigned.
0: Okay. What if it's a scenario where maybe you didn't work from home before, but you've been working at home now for several weeks? Can you make the case that you can continue doing your job from home because you've already proven that that it can be done?
1: Absolutely. And I think employers are starting to realize that people can do work from home. It is fine and, and work can get done. But ultimately, it is up to the employer to decide whether work is going to continue from home. But as as I was saying, I think employers are understanding and are being reasonable, and they need work done, so they don't want to lose their employees. So I think if employer and employee acting reasonably together can work something out to allow an employee to work from home rather than put an employee in an unsafe situation. The other thing that an employee can keep in mind is if you do have a medical condition that may make you more susceptible to to the virus. Maybe your immunity system is compromised. Get a note from a doctor with that note saying that you cannot be working or you should not be working right now. That allows you to be off work and an employer can accommodate you by allowing you to work from home. So getting that doctor's note for those people that do have an underlying medical condition, that is very important.
0: And what if you go back to the workplace, but you aren't satisfied with the measures that have been taken, whether it's distancing or doesn't feel safe to you?
1: So certainly I would even suggest before you go into the workplace, ask your employer the question, what have you done? What have you implemented to ensure that I'm safe, that my coworkers are safe? Now, when you go into the workplace, if you find out that the measures are not implemented, you can refuse work. And you should tell your employer, here's why I can't continue working. An employer then has to either fix that problem or, frankly, shut down the workplace. In some situations, even an inspector from Worksafe BC can be called in Uh, to determine whether, in fact, the work is unsafe. But no employee should be working if their employer has not implemented the proper social distancing and other safety measures. That should be the starting point. It's only when those measures are in place should we even be considering the return back to work.
0: And and we've also been told that the days of going to work sick, if you have the sniffles, if you're just not feeling well, those days are gone and that nobody is to go to work if you're not feeling well or showing any of those symptoms. Uh, do you think that's going to be, are employers going to be more watchful of that? Uh, I mean, do they now, are they, do you think they could be more uh, more wanting of a doctor's note or are people going to take advantage of that?
1: I think that there's a fine line here. And On the one hand, an employer has to watch out for the safety of its employees and then to others that it may serve. And because of that, they can't take any risk by allowing people that may exhibit any symptoms to be in the workplace. So I, I do think that some employees may take advantage of that. An employer should ask for doctor's note uh, and, and ask for additional information. Employers can also... Uh, engage in, uh, in uh, temperature checks. As long as it's non-invasive, they're allowed to do that before employees come into work. As long as that information is not stored or recorded or shared with anyone, it's only used for that purpose. Uh, that is a reasonable thing to ask employees to do. Again, the goal being, let's make sure that we're not putting anyone at risk and we're not bringing someone into the workplace then may get others sick.
0: Uh, they, so they can do temperature checks. Are employers entitled to do any other kind of screening?
1: No. At this point, certainly based on kind of the guidelines that have been established, an employer cannot require additional screening or at least not conduct it themselves. Now, if there are concerns about whether an employee may or may not have the, the virus, an employer can ask the employee to have a test done and to present the result of that test. But that is ultimately up to the employee to do. And the employer can't say, well, you know, go to the back room here. We're just going to conduct that little swab test. That would not be appropriate. Anything really beyond a temperature check, a non-invasive temperature check, is not something an employer should take upon itself to do to any employee.
0: And one last question. If an employer, say, requires people to wear masks, does the employer have to provide them?
1: So if it's the employer's initiative... Or if it's, frankly, the initiative of the government, if the government at some point says you have to all wear masks, then the employer does have to provide the mask. If the employee says, I only want to work if I'm wearing a mask, then the employee would have to provide the mask. So really, it comes down to who mandates, who initiates it. In most cases where uh, masks are required, it will be the employer's responsibility to supply it and to pay for
0: it. All right, uh, Leo, always good to chat with you because I know a lot of uh, people do have these questions. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Always a pleasure. Thanks, Joe.
0: Well, you may have seen this story because so many people are now working at home and anticipate they will likely be doing so for the next few weeks. Why not? stop putting off getting the family dog. A lot of people have been turning uh, to uh, their eyes to getting a new pet or maybe moving up the timeline for bringing a new dog into the house. Unfortunately, that means there are scammers trying to take advantage of people in that position as well. In fact, the Better Business Bureau is now warning that the puppy scam is skyrocketing during the COVID-19 pandemic. And joining me to talk a bit more about what the puppy scam is and who it is targeting is Carla Laird, the Manager of Community and Public Relations with the Better Business Bureau in the Lower Mainland. Carla, thank you so much for being with us today.
3: Thanks for having me and hello to your listeners.
0: Uh, What exactly is this scam?
3: So basically what we have been noticing over the last few months is that um, consumers are looking online to find puppies. Just like you said, you know, it's... It seems like a great opportunity to bring that family dog in the home now. But what is happening is that scammers are capitalizing on this by posting fake websites, posting fake advertisements, luring in um, potential consumers looking for puppies, having them pay deposits or pay the full amount to get these puppies. And they end up with nothing in return and pretty much left heartbroken and out of pocket.
0: Yeah, yeah, just awful taking. I mean, taking advantage of somebody in any scenario, but uh, but in this case, so you highlighted as well one particular case because people are losing hundreds of dollars. Right, there is a case. Um in, in
3: our province in Vernon where a consumer reached out to someone who seemed to have a legitimate platform selling these puppies um, she spent four hundred and fifty dollars trying to get the puppy sent to her as a deposit but it turned out that that particular website was fraudulent it was literally just created in March you know um, pretending to be legitimate to have connections to um puppies um official puppy um, um groups and networks in the united states and they pretty much took her money disappeared she tried reaching out to them afterwards to see if she could get her money back or at least to follow up with the scammer but they've been ignoring her ever since and so her money's completely gone
0: Hmm. So what do people need to look out for? I mean, we could advise that people only use trusted places like the SBCA or some of the other rescues. But if somebody is going this route because it seems like an easier way maybe to get a puppy or they've seen a picture and they've fallen in love with the picture, what, what do they need to watch out for? I think one of the
3: challenges with online, well, at least one of the benefits of shopping online is that you get to do a lot of research In a, you know, in a confined space, you're at home, you can just see all the different options that are available to you. And that's one of the things that makes these kinds of scams um, attractive. So in the case of this particular consumer, or at least for this particular scam that we were looking on in Vernon, what happened was that the website was literally specifically created to target people looking for a specific breed of dogs and so you see multiple pictures of the kind of breed that you're looking for and so that's what makes it attractive but at the end of the day you know if you are going to try and find a puppy we always recommend that you do a personal inspection so if you can make um make arrangements to see the puppy in person so to see if this is a dog that you you really want if the dog even exists and then you know see if that is an opportunity for you to establish a bond before you make that final decision. But there are instances where you may not be able to do that. And so what we recommend is that you do an intensive internet search. So looking at using the photo that you received, or if you received a video, take a screenshot of the picture of the dog and do a, a Google image search or a reverse image search to see if this same pictures popping up on other spots online and if you are seeing that it's a great chance that it's a scam another thing that we recommend too is if you can take little phrases out of the advertisement or off the website that you're interested in or you're reviewing and see if that is popping up on other different platforms and if that's the case it is likely also to be a scam because they copied that information from another platform Another huge red flag is the payment methods that you're seeing popping up. If you're being asked to purchase by Western Union, by MoneyGram, by a gift card, or in the case of the victim in Vernon, by an interactive transfer, those are huge red flags as well because these payment platforms or these payment methods, the thing with them is that once you make these payments there's no recourse it's it's irreversible you can't trace it it's gone and that's what makes it so attractive for scammers and that's exactly why they keep promoting these different options and then the last thing i would say as a red flag as well is the cost so if you're seeing for instance the the advertisement says the puppy is free and that all you need to come and do is pick it up but then after they're telling you you need to pay for something else like shipping or vaccination or some crate, then that's usually a huge sign um, that it's a scam as well, because they're always trying to find a way to get money out
0: of you. So they will try to incur or put on a cost that seems legitimate. Uh, All good advice. I would imagine, too, because of uh, the pandemic, because people are distancing right now, the scammers uh, could take advantage of that in saying, well, you can't do a home visit because you can't physically come here. Uh, Would you suggest that do people in that scenario, uh, trying to do a FaceTime call or a Zoom call, at least do something so you can see that there is an actual dog?
3: Yes, absolutely. That's definitely what I recommend. And I mean, even in situations where you are being told that you, um what we've noticed for instance in some of the other cases if you are adamant that you can implement some formal social distancing um policy or, or plan where you can visit without having to be physically in contact with the owners or the breeders then you know it does create an opportunity Seeing by FaceTime is helpful as well um, because, you know, it is a real-time conversation. So it does reduce the risk of you stumbling into a scam. But at the end of the day, never ever send money or make arrangements to send money for something you have not seen. And that is the bottom line because if you're, you're literally jumping out on a limb with the hope of getting something in return. And who knows who is at the other end of that conversation.
0: It also seems strange to me. I, I mean, I know a picture can be uh, show a dog and be extremely cute, but it's such a, a personal choice and a lifetime choice. I mean, that you're presumably going to have this dog in your family for years to come, that somebody would do that without physically meeting the dog and making sure it's a good fit seems strange to me.
3: Yes and that's exactly why you know I was saying before that it's important to 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 meet the dog in person make that connection you know you might stumble on you might have seen a picture but then if you go and physically look at the dog you might see another puppy in that lot in that you know that you might have wanted more or be more connected to, and so like you said, it's a long time a long term relationship, and so think about it that way you're investing in something, you're bringing some a, a pup into your home, you want that connection to be authentic, and part of that authenticity is literally seeing that puppy in person. It helps to build
0: that trust that you're hoping to have in the long term. Uh, And just one final piece of advice. Is there any website that you're warning people about or is there somewhere people can go at the BBB website or somewhere that they can see uh, the, the scams that are currently out there?
3: Yes. So the first one that we definitely want to warn the public about is called King Charles Empire. Um that one in particular, because that was the website that the victim in Vernon fell victim to, so it 's called king charles empire it 's a fraudulent company they claim to be based in the u s um and based on what we 've seen in an, an, and the investigations we 've done, it was created specifically to target anyone who 's a cavalier. King Charles Spaniel lover. So if those are the kind of puppies, you know, cute, adorable, long ears, fluffy. That's the kind of puppies that you're interested in. That's the kind of people that this website is targeting. And what we noticed too was that that particular website, like I said before, was created in March, on March 24th to be exact. So you know, it's right in the middle of COVID-19. All their social media websites, um, links, and and and. Um, Attachments don't seem to work. And what we also noticed was that there's no online footprint, so it literally just appeared overnight. And so what we've noticed, too, is that, you know, anything that seems that seems to be up, um, created in the last three months tends to be somehow connected to COVID-19 from a scam or fraudulent perspective. So if you are stumbling onto scams like this, we recommend that you go to bbb.org slash scam tracker, Report it to us so that we can do these similar announcements and warnings to the public. And if you are actively looking for a puppy online, we also recommend that you try visiting petscams.com. So petscams.com. That particular website, you know, they've been very um, active and deliberate in warning the public about different kinds of scams. They do research on different puppy websites to kind of ver- help them help consumers verify the authenticity of these different websites that claim to be puppy sellers and breeders. So, you know, that will help you to also narrow down the search and be able to determine who's real from who's not. Because if they're up on that website, they- it's likely that they are fake.
0: All right. And so, that was,
3: yeah, that's something to keep in mind.
0: All right. Good advice. Carla, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.